This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. One of the biggest themes for Learn Jazz Standards this year in 2020 is community. This is really the year of community where uh, we're building community and we're learning from each other as a community because I do believe that this is the best way that we can truly learn is from each other. And so one thing I'm be doing a lot more often on this podcast is have guests that are listeners of the podcast who are members of my online jazz courses so that we can listen and find out what's working well for them in their practice room, what's working well, uh, the things that are making the highest impact in their jazz playing at the moment, and in general, getting to know them and their stories. Because I do believe that we can learn so much from each other's stories, so much from each other's experiences as jazz musicians, and this will help us all learn and grow together. So I have Bob Pedix on the show today, who is an attorney who is a bass player from Jackson, Wyoming, who is going to share with us today. And we're going to learn a lot from him. Let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, He's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you. And like I said, on today's show, I have a very special guest, uh, Bob Pedix, who is uh, uh, from Jackson, Wyoming. He's a bass player. Uh, Jackson, Wyoming, by the way, an incredibly beautiful place. Me and my wife were there just a month ago uh, on vacation, taking some time off. And I like to mention in my weekly newsletters, for those of you who uh, are subscribed, you know this, I like to mention when I'm traveling where, where I'm at. And so he saw that I was in the area and invited me out for some drinks. We hung out and I knew that I, I wanted to have Bob on the show because uh, he has such a great story about how he got into bass, about uh, you know how he uh, really started diving into jazz, and a lot of great insight for what's working for him now. And, you know, Bob has a story that I know a lot of listeners can relate to for those of you in his generation, which is he started playing jazz and bass in his late forties. And so this is a really inspirational story just to hear how fired up Bob is about playing bass and all the great progress that he has been making in his jazz playing. So without further ado, let me just jump right into that right now. Let's get right into my interview with Bob. Okay, so welcoming on the show today is Bob Pedix from Jackson, Wyoming, who is an attorney and he's a bass player. Uh, thanks so much for uh, being on the show today, Bob. Oh, thanks for having me, Brent. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so we we actually got together recently while I was out on vacation, and we got together in Jackson, Wyoming, because in my newsletters, I always like to say, hey, coming at you from wherever I happen to be at the time, right? And you emailed me and you said, hey, Brent. 
I'm in Jackson. Why don't we get together and, and have a few beers? So we did. It was great. Uh, you and your daughter uh, came and, and, and uh, we met together, had a great time. And I, I had to have you on the podcast because I really enjoyed getting to know you, enjoyed getting to know your story. Um, so uh, this is going to be exciting. I'm really pumped up for this today. And like, uh, as I've said to you uh, and others on the podcast know, this, this year is all about community, all about uh, getting to know people who are in the Learn Jazz Standards community, whether it be podcast listeners, whether it be course students and just seeing, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? So what I would love to do is just start the conversation out by getting to know your story because I do believe in the power of story. So what kind of got you into music? What's your kind of musical journey and perhaps even what got you into jazz? And uh, just give us the background on that. Yeah, I, it, it's it's a good question. I, I started uh, playing bass a little late in life. When I was in college, I hacked around. I Literally, a friend of mine had a had a bass lying around, and I was hacking around with it a little bit, and I played some uh, classic rock licks and, and always liked to do it. And then I gave it up and, until I uh, didn't even really take it up when I was in college, but it just was hacking around. And then late in, in my 40s, I decided, you know, I, I really did want to play bass. I always liked the bass. It's, uh, it just always sang to me as an instrument. And I like the classic rock kind of stuff. Um, and I did take up uh, uh, rock bass, joined a band, was in a band for several years. But I really got a hankering for jazz. Uh, jazz really appealed to me at so many different levels. And I was always a dabbler as a listener. But uh, when I sort of turned my attention to uh, jazz bass, I became a more proactive listener and have really gotten into the genre of jazz more seriously in the past two or three years. So my journey was starting off as a kind of a rock bassist and having fun with the guys, and it was great. But I sort of turned my attention to what I considered to be more deeper music, maybe, uh, and, uh, and and started really working to hone my craft as a bassist in the in the jazz genre and started listening more proactively. Well, something that stood out to me there was um, that it seems like you got a little bit of a late start with with music and even you know focusing and playing on the bass. So you said around in your in early forties, is that what you said? No, uh, late forties actually. Late, oh, late forties. Okay, so I mean, so this is very interesting. So I know I hear from a lot of a lot of people that are uh, you know in your age range who are coming here to learn jazz standards and you know are thinking to themselves, well, I, I don't know if I, I can start becoming a musician. I don't know if I can learn how to play jazz. What kind of advice would you give someone who's maybe was maybe in your position, you know, starting music or even starting playing jazz late? Like, what what's some advice that maybe you can give them that that helped you at the time? Well, without sounding too cliche it is never too late mm -hmm. uh, to start uh studying jazz seriously um and or and when i say seriously I, i'm having so much fun uh but but really paying attention to the music and really uh really understanding what's going on with jazz it is not too late uh to to take that up in fact this can be a lifelong endeavor and i anticipate it for me being a lifelong endeavor so do, do not let one's age or the fact that that don't lament the fact that you didn't do it in your teens and your twenties and thirties. Uh, I, I guess I'm testament to the fact that that you really could take it up late in life, and I'm and I cannot imagine having more fun than doing this. That's awesome. Yeah, I, and and you know you kind of nailed 
kind of what the whole point of, and I'll get to this in a second, because I want to kind of ask you, you know, why you, why do you play music? Why do you focus on jazz? So we'll, we'll get a little deeper than that in a second, but you kind of really uh, hit hit the nail on the head there with what, what what do we even study music for? And it's it's to enjoy ourselves, it's to have fun. And so this is a great example. You're a great example of that. Um, now, something that you said earlier, too, as well, was... Uh, you know, that w- when you started getting into jazz, you, th- there was something about it, right? There's something about jazz that sort of, you know, stirred your imagination or it kind of got you uh, really passionate about it. Could you maybe try to pinpoint I- exactly, maybe if you could define those elements that made you excited? Sure. Uh, it, it, with me, it was somebody, somebody who really listened mostly uh, as a, as a younger person uh, to mostly rock um, and, and then playing rock. Um, what, but I always was interested in having lived in New York as, as I know you live in New York now, Mm -hmm. I, I went to college in New York and I went to some jazz clubs. So I would call myself a dabbler. I really enjoyed it, but didn't understand jazz in the way that that I'm getting to, to know that now. So for me, what happened was I, I just sort of, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, denigrate rock i think rock is just great fun to play and and to listen to but i wanted something a little more sophisticated um uh and even though i'm i do like uh classical music and opera in particular i was not interested in in pursuing that musically what i found was i was looking to explore greater depths in music and and that was really in in the jazz genre so while i had listened to jazz informally in my younger years what i came to the conclusion that that i really could explore the jazz genre as a player and as a listener and that just opened up an incredible vista again i'm not at all saying that rock is not great rock is fantastic but it for me it was a gateway if you will to a to a deeper music that i just i can't get over i can't describe how much fun it is listening and then playing uh playing jazz my particular area i love miles um Big fan of Miles from the fifties yeah. and sixties, uh, and and uh, I like the bebop era. Uh, I love Coltrane. Um, I love Charlie Parker. I just love listening to it. It's just it it's 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 really such a kick. I, I, it's hard to describe, but I think your listeners and certainly you know what that feeling is like. It's just fantastic. Right. Yeah. You got the bug. You got the bug hard, Bob, which is great. Um, and and it is so much fun. Uh, I, it's interesting you're talking about opera because I do remember that something that you and your daughter share is uh, a love for opera as well as jazz, right? So you, that's something that it seems like you you both have together. It was kind of fun hanging out with you guys and getting to know that about you, that uh, that father-daughter bond between you uh, with music. That's such a special thing. Maybe possibly I'm segueing to kind of the next question I want to get at and something I was hinting at earlier is, you know, wh- why do you, you know, you, you have a career, you're, you're an attorney. Attorney, and uh, you uh, are a father, and uh, you know you have your whole life. But you, you just you love music. You love spending time doing it. What is your? I, I like to call this your why. And I believe the why is important for all musicians to nail down because if we can understand why we're doing what we're doing, it can help us calculate what our actual musical goals are going to be. For example, uh, the musical goals of someone who is. Uh, I once had a guest on the podcast who said that you know learning jazz was like her 
therapy. It helped her when she was feeling down. And so that's going to be a different goal from someone like me who, you know, when I was, uh, you know, back in the day, shedding 10 hours a day and being really dumb and stupid, uh, you know, I wanted to be a professional jazz musician. Those goals are going to be very different. So I think establishing your why is important. So I kind of want to know from you, Bob, what is your why? Why are you investing time in music? Um, And it, it could be music in general. It could also be jazz. Yeah, well, I, I would say the the initial answer is because it, it gives me an an outlet that uh, appeals to both the emotion and and the intellect, especially jazz mm-hmm. music. Um, and for me, that is that is very a very important part of, of my life of of having both aspects uh, uh, sort of scratching that itch together. Uh, I would say that that's what makes the, the 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 experience of music. We all know it's fundamental. It's 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 emotional, um, yeah. and combining that as a player with an intellectual understanding of what's happening, doing the analysis. Uh, maybe it's the lawyer in me, but I love doing the analysis of what's going on in a, in a particular song. Why does it work the way it works? What rules are being quote unquote broken in this particular song that makes it unique? Uh, that kind of both emotional appeal and intellectual appeal, and then of course ultimately being able to to perform uh, both for yourself when you're when you're shedding, but also with others when you're able to perform live uh, or in a group setting. It, it, to me, it, it ticks all, all of the boxes, and so that process of of working at something uh, carefully. Uh, and, and but doing the analysis, it just it, for me it appeals at so many different levels. The ultimate goal for me, though, the the why I guess ultimately why I do this is because I really want to play with other people and perform in front of others. Mm. I'm not currently doing that, but that's okay. Yeah. that's part of the process. Absolutely, but that really is ultimately what I'm trying to to do as well. Is it, it's a community aspect. Yes, yes, absolutely. Community is important, especially when it comes to jazz music, because it's a social music, right? I mean, you get to share your idea, and then someone else gets to share their idea, and the other person gets to share their idea, and you all are playing something at the same time together. Uh, And that's kind of what makes jazz improvisation so special. Uh, And so it gives you from what I'm hearing gives you emotional fulfillment and that 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 practice of getting to kind of geek out is honestly what you're what you're kind of ex- explaining to me geeking out and looking at the details and um, like you said the lawyer the attorney in you is is uh, is is enjoying that process um, which I absolutely love and I love the goal of getting out there and, and, and playing with others you want to get to that place where you feel comfortable which is so cool um, so with that in mind what are you working on right now from what I understand Bob you're an avid shedder is that correct Yes, I am. <laughs> it's an addiction. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, no, it, it's the good kind of addiction, right? So, yes. um, so what what are you working on in the practice room right now? What's what's going on? What are some things that you could share with with everybody else that uh, uh, that's going on for you? Sure. Well, I'm working on two things primarily. The first is I'm working on I, I, I'm a part of the Jazz Blues Accelerator course. That's right. Which is just fantastic. Um, it Thank just. You. It's it's and and what I like about it is the process orientation. Trust the process, uh, understanding that 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 this is going to lead to better things for me in particular. Given my instrument uh, as a bassist, uh, especially in the jazz genre, as you know, mostly as bassists were focused on on walking bass, 
Right. And that is not what Jazz Blues Accelerator is about. Well, what I, that's the other half of what I'm really focused on right now is working on my uh, walking bass skills, and I'm doing that separately. But what I was really looking for, and I stumbled upon uh, your, your, your podcast some time ago, s- several months ago, um, what I found is exactly what I was looking for. It was honing my skills uh, on the on sort of the more melodic side, if you will, trying to really focus on the blues in particular because the blues is the foundation for jazz and rock and all all, all kinds of genres. Correct. It just was perfect for me. So what I what I was able to do what, what I'm able to do with with Jazz Blues Accelerator is really focus on on the the etudes, focus on on the the, the, the songs and hitting those things that are most important for me to accelerate my my uh, my jazz skills. So it's been so it's so for me in summary it's it's the Jazz Blues Accelerator course coupled with my working separately on on, on my walking base that's fantastic and um, first of all glad you're enjoying that course uh, appreciate having you in there and uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun to, to be a part of that community that's going on there and seeing everybody from all kinds of different instruments right you know contributing and uh, you know doing stuff it's really cool uh, it, it, what, what I love about what I'm hearing here is uh, what I call the three pillars of jazz improvisation are are going on here. So the three pillars of jazz, jazz improvisation, for those who aren't familiar with my teachings on this, I've sometimes called this the big three, is number one, technique, which sounds like something you're focusing on. And there's two kinds of technique, right? There's uh, the instrument-specific technique, which, and this is really where it comes down to um, some of your walking-based stuff, right? And then there's also some uh, jazz improvisation general technique that everybody can benefit from, whether it be patterns, whether it be, uh, you know, arpeggios and chord tones and all those things. And in fact, chord tones being something that is really important for walking bass lines, right? So I, I hear you kind of hitting on that there. Um, I hear you hitting on the repertoire. I, well, I know this because you're in Jazz Blues Accelerator. So you're, you're hitting on the repertoire. So you're, you're learning blues heads. And that's pillar number two. And pillar number three is uh, jazz language. And so that's where learning little licks and ideas, micro jazz language, as I call it, and uh, etudes or solos, macro jazz language, as I call it. So you're doing all these things. So what I would say is you have a balanced uh, <laughs> a balanced practice going on right now. Um, does that sound about right? Oh, it's, it, it, it is. And the thing about the big three, which I'm a big believer in, um, is that in some ways, it separates the wheat from the chaff. And, and what I mean by that is, and you've talked about this in, in some of your podcasts, is that we can, uh, w- I'm a big believer in distant learning, distance learning, but, but I also believe that the, the risk is that you get the, have the overwhelm, that you have, see so much on YouTube, so right. much, uh, and you really don't know what to focus on. And it, the latest bright, shiny thing is the thing we go after. The idea of the big three, uh, and you're quite right, I, I, I am focused on that big three, is to be able to say, no, this is what I need to really focus on. This will accelerate my skill set um, and, uh, and, and don't get distracted by things that may appear to be cool, uh, but really are, are really taking you away from, from the thing that you're aiming towards. So I agree that that's what's driving me is that that big three. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm a, uh, for those who've listened to the podcast for all, I know that I'm a strong believer in process. You know, uh, if I, if I am to pat myself just a little bit on the back, I'd say that my, my big superpower is helping people, helping students kind of get a process, right? And, and keep, keep focused on some things. Um, and I just, I'm a strong believer in that. I'm so glad that you are, uh, that you feel that too. Um, and that, but yeah, I just know that you're going to get great results and I know that you are. And, um, more so, I'm thrilled about how much fun you're having with jazz. That 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 to me is what you know kind of makes my day and makes makes me feel like everything I do here is just so much worthwhile. So that's so awesome. Uh, I'd love to. So we kind of talked about generally what you're doing. I'm wondering if there's because a lot of times people will say, "Oh, I'm doing all these great things," but there's something specific that's working better than others. That's connecting with you more than others. Is there something specific? Um, that you're doing or experiencing that you just feel is is helping you more than anything else? Yeah, that's uh, a great question. I think uh, in addition to focusing, narrowing the focus that we talked about and trying to deal with the big three and, and working on that every day, I, I would say there are several things that I, I've been finding has, has been very working for me. The, the first is trying to um, limit uh, your episodes of, of practicing to discrete units. So let's say, mm. for example, you work 15 minutes, take 15 minutes, and then take five minutes off, and then go back to the next 15-minute increment. The, the analogy that, that I think that I've heard, uh, and I don't know whether we've spoken about this, is that it's almost like on a loading dock when, you, when you're loading on uh, 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 all this, this cargo what you need to do is your brain now is has got all this cargo in in in, in the uh, you know in, in the in the area. It now has to place that cargo in the brain, and it takes yeah. time. And that's what that five minutes does for you. So, and that's one thing is really disciplining yourself to say, okay, I've got, I'm going to work for a limited period of time, and then I'm going to give myself a break for five minutes, not long. I'm going to then. So I'm going to focus on that 15 on what I'm working on, and then on the five I'm going to I'm going to let the the cargo be be placed in its proper place. So that's one thing I've been doing, uh, really working hard at that. The next thing is, and this has been said again and again, but again I, I I'm going to just, I think this is very valuable. Is it's better to work a half hour five days a week than six hours one day a week? Just yeah. constantly getting in my case my fingers on the fingerboard or whatever instrument you're playing on the keyboard, uh, whatever it happens to be, more, it's better to have a consistent day after day rather than just packing it all in in one day. Sure. And then, and then the last thing is, uh, and I'm not sh- sure whether you're familiar with this book called The Practicing Mind uh, by Thomas Sterner. Uh, I found that uh, it's a really valuable book to look at. Um, and w- the reason why it is, it, it's focused on the process. It's again, it, it's a real Brent approach and it's a non-judgmental approach. Don't look at yourself and you're playing and say, boy, I stink. I'm the worst jazz player ever. Instead, focus on the process. Fo- try to be non-judgmental on yourself because judgment it, expends energy and it expends negative energy. So instead of judging yourself, instead focus on the process in a non-judgmental way. And if you combine that with focusing on the big three, you're going to make incredible progress. And it doesn't matter how old you are. That's the the inspiring thing. It's It's just fantastic. So I would say those three things are working for me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and those just sound like uh, really powerful things that are, are making great progress for you. I love the idea of breaking up your practice sessions a little bit like that because um, you're right, it can be overwhelming if you're just practicing for long periods of time. And also to the another point you made is, you know, it's better to practice just a little bit every single day or a little bit in different increments rather than just, you know, five hours or six hours. It's kind of overloaded the brain a little bit. And, you know, maybe you've experienced this, Bob. I, I know for me I have, and maybe others listening have experienced this. Um, there's been times where, you know, I'll be really at it uh, practicing or, or, you know, sometimes it my career gigging a lot. And then I'll go on a vacation of sorts, like a week, maybe two weeks, and I won't have touched my instrument. And when I come back, something feels so good about it, right? I mean, maybe my chops are a little bit rusty, but there's something about how when the brain has time to rest and, and intake stuff uh, to let it settle in that it, it, you know, when you're overloaded, your brain kind of just gets clogged. That's the best way I can really describe it. And so I like your approach here of just kind of doing that in a, at a more micro level, like not just taking off two weeks or three weeks or you know anything extreme like that, but just simply giving yourself a little bit of time to breathe in between each thing. Um, I love that. Uh, that, seems that, that. That seems like something that everybody listening right now can start taking on action on today. They, you, know, you can start looking at what time you have to practice and breaking that down into smaller pieces and giving yourself those, those, those times to breathe. Um, uh, yeah, I just absolutely love all those. We're going to make sure to link that book in the show notes today, so uh, feel free to check on that. And one more thing I want to say about what you said, Bob, uh, is uh, last week's episode, or at least at the time uh, this episode's coming out, will have been last week's episode, I do talk a lot about the ego and a lot about feeling bad about your playing and how doing these sorts of things is only going to slow you down. It's only going to make things worse. And when we have a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, as uh, Carol Dweck talks, talks about in her book, Mindset, uh, it's it's just going to slow us down. So it sounds like you have something on that too as well. Yeah, I, I you've also of course had podcasts about the judging your own uh, playing, um, and when you when you approach your your playing in such a way that yes, you want to get better. That is a goal, and you should have goals. But the goal is more in the, not a, on on a getting over the goal line, and now you've achieved the touchdown or whatever it is you're going after. Instead, it's you're just trying to steer toward a in, in your journey. You're trying to steer toward a particular goal in the distance. When you start judging yourself as, and comparing yourself to other people, uh, that's not that's not productive for you, and it actually takes away from your skill set, and it takes away from the mind focusing on what's what's most important, which is focusing on the process that you have confidence in. And that you know will work. So I'm very much a believer. And again, I, I, I remember your your podcast talking about that, where you're talking about not judging yourself in that way. Uh, it, this is not about judgment. You would not judge your student in that way. Right. Uh, if you if you had a student, you would not judge them in a negative fashion. You try to correct them if a mistake was made. In a similar fashion, you need to do that for yourself. So I'm a big advocate, and it's hard because sometimes I want to, you know, I just want to be better than I am. But don't don't worry about being better than something else. Just worry about improving. If you focus on improvement and correction when mistakes inevitably will be made. By the way, if you're making mistakes in, 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 in the shed or when you're practicing, that's a good thing. That right. means you're making improvement. 
Yes. You shouldn't be perfect in, in, in you. You should not be perfect in in practicing. So, not in a non-judgmental way. I'm a big believer in that, which is why I'm a believer in what you do, because what you're able to do is make sure we're able to follow a process that is non-judgmental. I just, it's fantastic. Well, I couldn't have said any better myself. But we should get you. Uh, you should. You should start your own podcast. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> um, I want to ask you uh, as well. So. What are so, what what's something right now that you're really struggling with? Like what's something that's you're just like, ah, you know, I'm really having a hard time with this. What's some challenges that you're coming up with in in your practicing right now? Yeah, it's a great question and it actually relates to the Jazz Blues Accelerator. I am not used to uh not keeping the pulse as it were, but instead by focusing on more melodic lines, right. trying to make sure that that jibes with my with my uh with with the pulse, so I'm exploring a new area of music that, as a bassist, I don't tend to focus on, which is dealing with with licks and melodies, etc. I do dealt with licks, of course, but really dealing with melodic content and making that fit within the rhythm. That's something that I'm struggling with, but I understand that I will get better at it as as time goes on, and I'm trying not to judge myself. But that's what I'm I'm struggling a little bit with that right now. Listening back. To, uh, to, to myself, oh, uh, that's one thing I didn't mention before about what's working, is recording yourself makes a, a big difference. Oh, yeah. And you've, you've emphasized that, and it, I, I've, I have not done that as much in the past, but I'm doing so now with the Accelerator course, and I found it, it is very valuable. Something that I think was pretty good, tends not, it maybe is not as good as I had thought, and conversely, things that I thought, oh, boy, I didn't like the way that sounded, Turns out to be great. So uh, that's what I'm struggling with right now, though. Oh yeah, recording yourself is uh, I I couldn't recommend it more. And and I hear from a lot of people that say that same thing, especially when it's in, in a community context, kind of like what we're talking about the Jazz Bulls Accelerator. Because there's there's other people that are going to see it, and luckily that it's a very non pressure environment. It's very friendly. Everybody's super nice, right? So it's nothing to be intimidated about. But it makes you kind of also you know, focus on the details a little bit more too, right? Because, you know, you're going to publish something for other people to see and other people to say something, give you feedback or, you know, whatever it is, right? There's, there's that element to it that, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, just really just can help, right? A lot by, by recording yourself. There's so many benefits of recording yourself for sure. Um, Absolutely. And I'm sorry. And, and also put, putting it out there for others in a in in a, in a positive environment, as you point out, there's there's not there's not negative negativity, but putting that to the community and putting that forth, it it just makes you uh, makes you think about it and make sure that give it a listen and make sure that's something you do want to put forth to the community, even though it won't be terribly judgmental. The fact is, you want to do the best job you can, and that, that that disciplines you. Absolutely. I want to, this, this might be an exercise that could be helpful for you, Bob. Like when you're, when I'm hearing you say that kind of a challenge for you as a bass player is playing in the time with these melodic lines and doing things like this, a really simple exercise that I find can be helpful to spend a little bit of time on. And you can actually do this, uh, thinking about walking baseline. So you can kind of couple this with your walking baseline practicing is set a metronome where wherever you want. It could even be like a drum track. It doesn't have to be a metronome, but metronome, of course, can be helpful. And start out by just playing 
uh, well, you could actually start with whole notes. Just just start by playing whole notes over over a form of a jazz, of a jazz standard or the blues. The blues will be a good one for you, right? So just start by just going through the form. You could do one course or two courses since the blues is kind of short, and you only force yourself to only play whole notes, right, with the time. Then go and start playing quarter notes the next section of courses right so again if you chose two courses let's just say now you're doing quarter notes only for two courses and then you can move to eighth notes so you kind of want to start it a little bit slow right you want to you want to you want to start the tempo slow enough so that you can technically nail those eighth notes and then if if you're able to and you don't have to graduate to this right away you can then do uh eighth note triplets right so what this helps you do is it really helps you rhythmically get locked into the time and you're subdividing. And at the same time, too, it's kind of pushing your creativity a little bit because you'll find it's very difficult to create great improvisation with only quarter notes. It's very difficult to create great improvisation when you're playing constant streams of eighth notes, right? Um, and this is also why you want to slow down the, te- the the tempo quite a bit when you first start out doing this. Um, obviously, this is not the way you want to solo in the end, but I think it could be something to try out. It could help train you a bit with locking in that time as you work on learning more melodic lines and things like that. That's a great suggestion. I'm definitely going to take that up. I'm going to work on that this afternoon. Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, I, th- that's what I always suggest to a lot of people because that you're, you're not alone at all. That's a problem that a lot of people have. And of course, you can always go crazy and ham on that. I mean, let's just say you start the metronome on only quarter notes, right? So it's, it's you know, one, two, let's say it's in four, four, right? So one, two, three, four, one, right? So then you could go and say, all right, well, now I'm just going to switch the click to being only one and three, right? So now the click's only on one and three. And you're doing the same exercise, right? And then you could go, okay, now the click's only on two and four, which is going to feel better for a swing feel, right? But right. then you can go and even further, right? And then you could go, all right, I only want it to be on beat two, or I only want it to be on beat three, or beat four. And of course, if you want to go even crazier, you can do every two measures. Or if you want to be even more crazy, you could go on the end of three, right? So you can put the click on the end of three. But uh, this is especially going to be helpful for a bass. It's, it's, it's helpful for everybody because everybody in the band needs to be a timekeeper. I mean, should, not just the drums, not just the bass. But as we know, bass players are primary timekeepers in a band. So having this will just absolutely, like if you work on this just a little bit, right? it'll start really helping you with your time feel so that you basically just become your own walking metronome. That's a great suggestion. I, I, it, it, it really is uh, something that I, I, I would look forward to, to, to trying uh, in, and again, to make improvement. Um, I think that that's a great exercise and I'm looking forward to incorporating it. Fantastic. Glad, glad I, that that one came up because I, 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 that one has helped a lot of people. Uh, well, Bob, I want to thank you so much for taking time on the show, for just sharing your knowledge with everybody, for sharing your story and your experience. Um, for me, it's helpful. For everybody listening, it's helpful. So I do appreciate you just taking the time today. Um, I look forward to perhaps checking with in with you later on the show sometime. Good. Thank you so much for having me, Brent, and keep up the good work. You've done great, great. You're a great teacher, and I really love working, listening to your podcasts and and working on the Jazz Blues Accelerator course.
All right, that's all for today's show. Want to thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate that. And uh, a big thanks to Bob for taking the time to just share with us so we can all learn from him. Uh, that was really a treat for me uh, to have him on the show. Uh, and we're going to be having a lot more of this going on, like I said at the beginning of the show. A lot more of this is going to be happening. We're going to have other people who are a part of Learn Jazz Standards community. So if you're someone who's thinking, hey, you know what? I would love to share something with the rest of the community as well. You can go ahead and go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash contact and just send me an email and say, hey, uh, this is who I am. This is what I'm all about. And I'd love to talk about this and uh, this and this and this. And I just think it could be helpful for everybody. So feel free to go ahead and do that. Um, well, a few other things to close up here. Um, kind of getting excited about my new uh, self-help style jazz improvisation book called Jazz Improvisation Made Simple. Uh, I promised you, if you've been listening to the show for the last several weeks, I'll keep you updated. Uh, man, right now, we've got the editors finishing the editing. We have the uh, the book cover just being finished. I'm going to release that soon out into the public. Uh, if you're subscribed to my newsletter, you'll probably be the one who sees that first. Getting pretty excited about it. Something I've never done before. There's going to be a physical copy of the book. It's not a music method book. It's really a self-help style book uh, that I'm coming out with. And I'm actually going to be putting it on Amazon, which is something I've never done before either. And I'm trying to make it as cheap as I possibly can. So the goal of this is really just to get in front in as many hands as possible. So um, that is that that is that is the goal. And I'm excited about that. So I'll be releasing more information about that soon and exactly when it's coming out, but it will be coming out sometime in February. So look forward to that. Hey, as I always ask, if you've been getting value out of the show, uh, please go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts and, and leave a rating and review. Just tell other people why you like listening to the show, how it's benefited you so others can know that this is a show worth listening to. Thank you so much in advance for doing that. Uh, I'll be seeing you next time on another great episode of the podcast. Have some great stuff lined up for you, so make sure you're subscribed, and I'll see you back then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.